I didn't know better, I would think I was about to get murdered. <laughs> Probably. But I feel like if I was gonna get murdered on this podcast, I would have to get long. You don't know. Maybe it's a really long con. For what? For what point in... Pro- I know, that's why I'm asking you. <laughs> I think I would tell you. You're right. I don't know. That would, that would seem a lot. Exactly. Are you going to yeah. do the thing? Yeah, I'll do the thing. Okay. It, is, it is you. Hello, gentle listener. Hey! Welcome to Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch. I'm your host, Michael Lilienthal, and this is my guest, Ethan Bartlett. I'm Ethan. Yep. That's, that's, all, that's, that's, that's all correct. He's, he's right. Um, on this podcast that we call Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch, we are in a room that has scotch in it, but we're not going to talk about the scotch. We're going to talk about books instead. So we're going to talk you, about the scotch a little. Yeah, probably at some point. Yeah, but if you came you for anyway. the scotch... Too bad, go suck an egg, and we're wow. going to talk about books. <laughs> Do you know how many listeners we have? <laughs> nope. The answer is not enough to afford to tell any of them to go suck an egg. Yeah, but Even see, if they're here's here the incorrectly. Here's the thing. I value quality listeners, and listeners who are okay with me telling them to suck an egg are the listeners that I want on our podcast. So by definition, anyone who keeps listening after you've told them potentially... To go suck an egg is a quality listener. Exactly, exactly. Okay. So congratulations, gentle listener. If you have met my criteria. <laughs> well, we're off to a stellar start. That, yep, that's alliteration right there. Thank you, thank yep. you for You're welcome. analyzing my sentence that I just made. Yep, that's my job on this podcast is to just analyze everything I made? that you do. <laughs> This is a weird podcast. I know. Yeah. yeah, I'm surprised I didn't catch on to it sooner, too. I mean, the whole concept is kind of strange, where one of is us it? is talking and the other is overanalyzing the other, but, yeah. I, you know, it's, you know, it is what it is, and, you know, if All right, people well, like that sort of thing, then... You're off. You're done. Why? You said, you said the phrase. What phrase? What phrase did you just say? I don't know. You said it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> is that is that wrong? I mean, you just said it too. Yeah, but I was quoting you. <laughs> Does that save you from it? The book of Hezekiah, chapter 16, verse 4 says, Any idiot who says the phrase, it is what it is, shall be cast out a window, unless they were quoting another idiot who said that phrase. <laughs> okay. So, defenestration is in our future. In your future. My future. And I mean, in our future in the sense that I'm going to do it to you, yes. Oh, okay. Well, in the meantime, let's have a podcast episode. All right. In which we are going to talk about a book, but first, we're going to mention the scotch we're drinking. Ethan, this is the scotch we're drinking. Oh, it's the same one from the last two. Yeah, funny how that works. Yeah, we've been drinking this for like a month now. Yeah, pretty much. It's and it's going to be another month until bad. we're done with it. In case you can't tell from this entire introduction, it's gotten bad. It's gotten very bad. This is this is a bad idea. But we're going to do it anyway. We are drinking Isla Storm, the single malt Scotch whiskey, distilled, matured, and bottled in Scotland, the Highlands and Islands Scotch Whiskey Company Limited, Glasgow. Which we read the whole G-62-6-B-W. thing G-62-6-B-W. To you every time. 
because that's the all the information on the label. Of the Hebrides. And I don't know why that bothers me so much, but it just does. Yeah, why not? Other than the tasting notes, which also bother me because I'm refusing to read them. We'll read them after we give our ratings of this scotch. Not this episode, but next episode. So stick yeah. around, yeah. dear listener. Tease. That that was ha, ha, a tease. Ha. We did we did a podcast as a tease. That's true. So before we pour this and salute, we should hear the rules of our podcast because this is a very organized podcast that has rules. That has rules, which are very as important. all good podcasts do. Yeah, we have rules. Podcasts always need rules. Karen, Karen, what are the rules? Rule one: Once the scotch is poured and the glasses clink, the scotch must not be mentioned at any time. If anyone mentions it, they lose. Rule two. No one's mother should be mentioned in any pejorative sense or any other sense not directly indicated by the text of the book being discussed. If any mothers are mentioned, the mentioner loses. Rule 3. Ethan must never say the phrase, first paragraph. If he does, he loses. Rule 4. Michael must never say the words, vampire, vampiric, or any derivative thereof. If he does, he loses. Rule 5. If anyone has to use the bathroom during an episode, he or she loses. However, this should not stop anyone from doing so because this podcast is anti-UTI. And what happens if someone breaks the rules? If one person breaks a rule, they receive a punishment in the form of a verbal stunt chosen by the person who did not break the rule. All that being said, everyone, Drink responsibly. Yeah, Ethan. Yeah, Michael. Gentle, Gentle listener. listener. Wow. Okay, thanks. Those are some powerful rules. Powerfully read. Yep. Very, very strong. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm content with that. So, here, yeah. let's pour some scotch. L'chaim! Down the hatch! could feature extensive scenes in bars with people taking shots of alcohol. Sure. I, I getcha. Yep. Makes sense. But that's also, like I said, so niche. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Davy Crockett and the River Pirates. Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Alright. Good, good, solid Solid movies. recommendations here. I didn't actually you. recommend them. Oh. I'm not. not sure I would. Okay. All I know is that when Davy Crockett and his guys were at the Alamo at the end of King of Wild King of the Wild Frontier, uh, my brother and I used to pile all of the pillows in the living room onto our couch uh-huh. and take our toy guns down behind the pillows and shoot at the bad guys on the screens. Uh-huh. Screen. This there's just one screen. We were a poor household. Um, <laughs> and then we would argue about which of the bad guys who fell on the screen we had shot. 
Oh, wow. That's so. That's, that's petty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of boyish imagination, we're talking oh, about the book Things Not Seen by wow. Andrew Clemens. You did an Alzebo soup transition. <laughs> well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I'll take that as a compliment. Also, shout out to my friend Nat, even though he made a mean meme about our show. Oh, I just saw that. It was, was so mean. It was just to get at me. Yeah, it's true. Cause In, my, my name wasn't mentioned. Yeah. In fairness, Nat and I have known each other for approximately like 15 years now. So all that's left of our relationship is meanness. <laughs> <laughs> it's true all be... relationships eventually distill down into pure meanness yeah given yeah. enough time and if you poured that meanness into a glass what would you have um invisibility no you're not no anyway <laughs> alzebo soup alzebo is spelled a-l-z-a-b-o yep and soup is and spelled soup. s-o-u-p yeah the normal way but <laughs> Nat sent me a message to ask what that podcast was, uh, and he said he could never understand when we said it, and I was like, oh, that's probably because one of the words in it is made up. Yeah, it's... Yeah. I mean, all words are made up, but this one is, like, more made up than most. <laughs> so I just wanted to clarify that for people who have been listening. Yeah, I guess we have given that podcast a shout-out a handful of times, and we've never really clarified. Yeah, or, like, probably provided a link to him either, huh? I don't or know that we have. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, that's that's the the podcast about Gene Wolfe, chapter by chapter. And Nat then made like I sent him the link to their website, and then Nat made mm-hmm. a mean version of the the um, what is it? The distracted boyfriend yeah, meme, where he's like ogling another woman as he's holding, holding hands with the hand other his girlfriend, and the the girlfriend said, "Ethan's dumb podcast," which yep. was the mean part. And then the boyfriend said me, as in Nat. And then the other girlfriend said, or the not girl. The, the, the other girl that he was The awkward. girl that was hotter than I am <laughs> said, <laughs> said Alzebo Soup. So, so probably, the moral probably of the story Nat... is Alzebo Soup is hotter than Ethan. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> what the moral of the story is. Also, probably Nat hasn't heard my shout out to him on this episode or the last episode. Because he's listening to Alzebo Soup instead. Yeah, it's true. So, well, that sucks to be him, then. He's missing out on his own shout-outs. Yeah, yeah. I'm definitely not going to tag him on Facebook or anything to alert him to this. He <laughs> doesn't deserve it. <laughs> okay. And also, I told him, like, you know, if he wanted good, detailed, chapter-by-chapter <clears throat> analysis of major literary works of science fiction, like, he could go to Alzebo Soup. But I was like... I've listened to like 50 plus episodes of that show mm-hmm. and they don't call each other poop heads even one time. Wow. Clearly so, like, inferior. Yeah. Like, he, you know, just so he knew what he was missing. Yeah. This was like the podcaster version of like, n- anyway, never mind. I, uh. Of what, Ethan? <laughs> podcaster version of what? <laughs> Taking off your shirt one last time. After he breaks up with you to remind him of what you're missing. <laughs> I'm saying goodbye to these. Yes, that's an Arrested Development <laughs> reference that I feel Nat would appreciate if you were listening. Giant butt. But Anyway. But Now that we've called one-fifth of our listening audience a butt, <laughs> let, us, let us talk about the book that the, you have The book. Uh, things not seen. Um, to be honest, I'm on page 238 out of 251. I haven't finished. 
What are you even doing? <laughs> you told me this book would take me an hour to read. I know. I know. I got distracted. But it's okay. Because I have read this book before. And, um... The ending is the only thing I wanted to ask you about. Okay. No, that's okay. I remember it. Okay. It's all right. So, okay. if you want to ask me about the ending, go ahead. Well, not me. right now. Oh, okay. Not in our... Typical, completely straightforward and chronological work. Oh, yes, we do go chapter by chapter. Of every book that we do. Yep. We haven't gotten to the ending yet. Obviously. 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 So. So, well, do you have something else burning on your mind that you want to talk about? Um. Oh. I thought you were hosting. I am hosting. So, isn't it your but job like, to tell you me what, to, just, what like, we're talking about? You took the reins away from me and started running with them, so I was Did just going to, like. I just started yelling at you about stuff. I mean, that's basically... Here, have the reins. Oh, thank you. All right, I got them now. Yeah. Uh, You know, I meant to bring in with me a stack of other books um, to go along with this from my living room. And that stack of books included books such as um, The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. Yes, yes. And Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. Oh, interesting. And Oedipus Rex by Sophocles. I mean, through the magic of podcasting, you can go do that. I could go do that. I'm going to go do that. Due to one of our rules, though, I think it might count as a loss. Does that count as a loss? Because I'm not going to do the unspeakable thing. Is it unspeakable? You you can speak it. You just like, can't I'm do it. I'm not going to pee. I'm just going to get books. I'll be back. Oh, you said pee, though, so you have to put the explicit tag on here now. <laughs> wow. That was me making sounds. That you would think were unresolved words, but actually they were just sounds that maybe sound like words. Hi. Were you whispering secrets to future me? <laughs> Are you cheating on me with future me? Yes, that's the most <laughs> accurate description of what I was doing. Um, so, yes, books. I have this stack of books. That I mentioned yeah, earlier. Yeah, see, gentle listener? Michael, hold it still so the gentle listener can <laughs> Look, see better. See? Yeah. Um, the books, uh, especially The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells. Yes. Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison. And Oedipus Rex, or Oedipus the King, by Sophocles. So really, I don't think you wasted their time by going to get the books, because I kept them entertained in the meantime. Oh. But... You did waste their time by introducing the names of the books twice. By repeating myself? Yeah, which is the first time on this podcast we've ever repeated any information. <laughs> That's, yes, accurate. Exactly what is true. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the second time was when you said accurate and then said exactly what is true. <laughs> wow, this is bad. Um, is it? Okay. I'm going to ask you the question then, smarty pants. Well, you just bought, brought three books, yeah, and only one of them do I have any idea actually why. Well, here's my question. Why did I bring these books? Okay, well, I'm going to start with the obvious one. Yep. Oedipus Rex. Yep. He clearly does, like, create and then discard the plan of using his invisibility to fulfill his lifelong dream of murdering his father. Nope, that's not and then right. Running off to clearly Florida accurate. with his mother. Nope. Like the aunt is clearly a displacement of wow. the mother figure. So in when he says, you know, I would like to or they they say we would like to send him to Florida to like live so with his aunt. Wrong. That 
Manson. His fantasy that he's projecting onto the world about how his mother wants to run away with him. Nope. Clearly wrong. Okay. Try again. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um, I also... I, yep. Okay. I'm going to actually work backwards. So, okay. So Fockles, don't know. Um, wow. Could you pronounce that any worse? <laughs> Soft cockles? Nope, I, that wasn't a challenge. <laughs> oh, sorry, was that not the part I was supposed to, nope. to go right to? Okay, Invisible Man, in all seriousness. Yep. Um, Which one? Invisible Man or the... In, invisible, invisible Man. Invisible Man. I left out the definite particle okay. on purpose. Okay, good. And I did just say definite particle. Yeah, you though, did so. say particle. I'm an unreliable narrator, clearly. Although this book is about particles. Oh! Whoa! That's probably what I was doing. Yeah, that's... Clearly, I'm interpreting your tense. Soft pockles? Nope. Anyway. <laughs> so, Invisible Man. Yep. The the uh, Ralph Ellison one. Um, I've only read selections of that book, so oh. like, I'm not actually Wait, maybe... Were you not in African American Lit with Lars Johnson? I was, I was not, regrettably. Oh, okay. Regrettably, I was not. Yeah. But, um... Uh... Posh Hockles? Anyway. Wow. Um, this is going to go poorly. Uh, it had been going so well, though, so far. Uh, yep, obviously. So, like, purely guessing about Invisible Man, I know that it's about, you know, social isolation mm -hmm. and the things that sort of um, isolate a person from society and uh, Ralph Ellison being who he is, it's obviously heavily about race. Um soft pockles anyway no um, <laughs> so uh you know so but yep. like if you if you translate sort of the or you sort of abstract the ideas of invisible man away from race which may or may not be doing violence to the text uh you could end up with with sort of something that's that's along similar lines to what this book is um the invisible man by hg wells is the book i was thinking heavily about for the first 50 pages of this book mm -hmm. until this book named it explicitly and told me i should be thinking about yep. it <laughs> at which point i ceased to think about it because i don't like it when people or books tell me what <laughs> fair um but yeah no there was some obvious like you know, it it was one of those things where it was like, it, there are certain parts of the the opening of this book that clearly had had connections to the Invisible Man. They were like a a negative image almost of things that happened mm -hmm. in the Invisible Man. Um, and it's been it's been easily twelve to fourteen years since I read the Invisible Man, even sure. so. I'm even rusty on that, but like it, even even having read it that long ago, it was like this is there's clearly some like reference here, or if there isn't, the author is an idiot, and the author clearly is not an idiot, right? Um, and then like literally, the uh, the girlfriend calls the main character of this book more or less the anti invisible man. Yep. Yep. So. Yep. She reads because hold on. Let's let everybody read yeah. this book. 
read this now book. Now that we're 20 it minutes into the podcast. only take you like an hour, though apparently Michael could only carve out like 45 minutes. <laughs> to read Things Not Seen by Andrew Clemens. So go, read it now. And we're back because it was really quick. So you did that very, very well. I'm Do proud you of you. Put in a... Never mind. No, like, I literally just gave them that yeah, amount of time you, that we you, just waited yeah. for them to read it. Is that... So, that's like, the amount time of time we actually pause on every podcast? Obviously. That's how quickly we're expecting What, you to... think I edit this? I did. A little. No. Okay. Come on. But, like, you don't put in, like, for Don Quixote, for example, you didn't put in, like, 4,000 years of silence <laughs> nope. to wait for the <laughs> listener to read. No, we just waited that long. Oh, well, because cassette players have oh pause gosh. buttons now okay i guess i just am spending this episode just frustrating you as much as possible you're doing a really good job proud of you thanks yep go on no what so was now, i talking about no the, the three books that you just three dragged in here just... on a dolly cart <laughs> oh man i do really want you to give some actually good analysis because you okay. clearly have some Ideas that are I like some thoughts. pertinent and will relate these three classics of literature. Yes. And so far, I've just been calling Sophocles soft cockles. Wow. Yep. And there it goes again. No. So, The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells is yes. the obvious one. Yes. Um, and for more reasons than just the fact that it is explicitly named in the book. Right. Um, so, yeah. Like you mentioned, Alicia, uh, the, the yes. quote-unquote girlfriend. Um, the, the, the blind girl that the invisible boy meets, right. which is just a beautiful little thing. thing. Yeah. Um, uh, she reads the invisible man through audiobook because she's blind and then calls Bobby, the invisible boy and tells him that she read this. And in their very unique, interesting teenager dynamic, Mm -hmm. um he gets mad at her and she gets mad at him and they talk it through and then they're friends again uh all within the span of two minutes and um uh she does exactly what you said analyzes bobby as the anti the invisible man right um which is a fascinating jumping off point Mm -hmm. i think for this book things not seen because uh when you meet the invisible man in the invisible man um, he's introduced as a stranger. That's first how he's met, how, yes. how you meet yes. him, a yes. stranger. Yes. Um, and he is wrapped head to toe and covered in winter clothes and in wrappings and just completely covered and thereby making him a little bit conspicuous. Which is that good H.G. Wells approach to introducing the main... Yep. subject or theme of any of his stories is like as roundabout as he possibly could yup which is a fairly victorian technique but hg wells seems to take like a particular perverse delight in it yes um yeah no he's yeah he's having fun with it um but uh a couple other things i want to note here about the invisible man which are somewhat incidental but also, I think purposely, this this is getting into a broader theme, which is why I brought all three of these books, the theme of invisibility in literature in yes. general. 
Sure. Which is a topic that is broader than oh, sci-fi. Oh, okay. I think I just got the Oedipus the King thing, but go okay. on. Um, we'll get there. Yeah. But I'm going to talk first about The Invisible Man. Um, that Andrew We're... Clements's YA novel, which we should emphasize that it is YA, right. from the early 2000s and therefore extremely dated. Right. Um, it's so But funny. only in every reference to, like... The cell internet. phones, the in, internet, yep, technology, um, all technology that. and libraries, or any other form of technology. Yep, which, you know, when you think about a YA book, kids are the most involved in technology of a demographic yeah. of a society. And so, you know, I'm not as in tune with technology as teenagers right now. Right. And so, you know, for a, a YA novel set in the early 2000s, it works for young adults of the early 2000s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. Which uh, is probably why the most, like, successful and lasting YA novels are usually fantasy, science fiction, or historical fiction. Yep, because they're not lost to the ethers of yeah, they're, temporary technology. They're as much out of touch, quote-unquote, with right. the current society as they will ever be like right. they will never change in that relation exactly exactly um yeah which is an interesting discussion itself yeah. but so andrew clements in writing things not seen i think he had a copy of the invisible man next to him uh-huh. uh or at least notes on the invisible man by hg wells as he was writing number one bobby when he eventually goes out mm-hmm. into the world while he's invisible what does he do he bundles up, head to toe, yeah. covers his entire body, just like the Invisible Man in H.G. Wells. Right. Covers himself, head to toe. Um, which, interestingly, just ties into this theme of invisibility in literature in general, that someone who is invisible makes themselves overly visible uh-huh. by covering himself, head to toe. He's so super visible that right. way. He, he's almost overcompensating, which ties into Invisible Man with Ralph Ellison, the main character here... Uh, he describes his home in the very beginning of the book. He lives in a cave under a city, and it's full of light. He makes himself super visible in that home, even while he's invisible. So that that uh, that paradox. Anyway, um, also the the setting when um, we read in in the Invisible Man by H.G. Wells, it starts. The stranger came early in February, one wintry day. Oh. Things Not Seen is set in February yeah. in Chicago. Yeah. Once again, winter uh, in the cold. And um, even more, and this isn't the Invisible Man podcast, but uh, when you get to chapter three of The Invisible Man, it tells you what day in February, and it's the 29th of February. <laughs> Leap day. Yeah. Uh, which is, um, one might say, an invisible day. Right. Um, so, interesting that way uh things not seen takes place earlier in february it's implied because february goes on for a while sure um but um uh one other little detail in here um when uh the invisible man in hg wells is staying in this uh hotel or this inn at the beginning um there's a man who comes to visit the hotel to fix the clocks Mm. and when he comes in to fix the clocks uh, it says, Mr. Henfrey not only took off the hands of the clock and the face, but extracted the works. 
So he's really going into the interior of the clock and taking out the insides, taking it all apart so that there's no clock left uh -huh. except the scattered parts. So you can't actually see a clock. Right. So what H.G. Wells is doing here is making time invisible. And time is something very important to the invisible man. And in Things Not Seen, it's referenced a handful of occasions that Bobby... Uh, the main character is losing track of time. Yeah. Um, it so, happens frequently. Also, especially in sort of the first act yeah. of the book, time is very important to him because what he can do while invisible is sort of centered around um, when his parents are, yep. are in the house or not. And um, he has those restraints, even though he is invisible, of, you know, his his parents still regulating his life and so basically anything he can do sort of with the invisibility yep. has to center around those windows of time when his parents are teaching classes or yep. whatever else yes absolutely um i want to see if i can find it also in invisible man by ralph ellison but i might not um but he actually says something explicit about time and how time is weird to someone who's invisible um it's either in the prologue or in uh the first chapter um of the book. i'm not gonna find it i'll just trust me when he says um that uh time is weird essentially i'm paraphrasing oh. for someone who's invisible just that idea. So invisibility in literature is something that's fascinating to me, and Things Not Seen is fitting itself into that broader tradition of invisibility sure. in literature. It, whether it's literal invisibility, like Things Not Seen, or H.G. Wells as The Invisible Man, or whether it's something more metaphorical, like Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison, where mm. it's an invisibility of um, social conception, sure. um, which itself features into things not seen right bobby himself feels invisible even before he turns invisible right in school you know he wants to talk to the popular girls and they just look right past him right that's explicitly brought out and alicia the blind girl says you realize how ironic that is that you're saying that they didn't see you when you were visible right um and so that sort of uh aspect is is interesting and that's where it kind of ties into oedipus the king and you said maybe you thought you figured out why i brought this yeah i knew you were gonna you? call me out on that yep, because i have now completely it. forgotten <laughs> except i mean i i did think of a different one that i know is okay. not the one that i thought of before but uh obviously the the climax of oedipus the king yes. as delivered in a 17,000 page monologue by a messenger <laughs> who is in yep. none of the rest of the play. It, uh, the, the climax is obviously that Oedipus gouges out his own eyes. Yep. Um, and I know that I, I first read this, I can't remember. It was some author who is currently alive. And that's literally all I can remember about <laughs> who I first read this from. But they said uh, that, and they they said that an English teacher assigned them to do this. And then when I next reread um, Oedipus, I uh, watched for it myself. That even 
well before, like, from the beginning of the play, if you look for every reference to eyes or sight mm-hmm. or anything, anything basically to do with seeing, um, like this, whatever author I was reading said they had an, a high school English teacher who assigned them to just circle every instance of that they could mm, find as they sure. read through Oedipus, um, and which they also did, um, I think they, whatever, like, AP English class they were doing, um, they read Oedipus the King and then King Lear, mm. and the teacher had them do that with both of those sure. texts, and of course King Lear has the famous um, scene uh, later in the play where Edmund, one of the characters gets... Edgar. No, Edgar's the bastard no, yeah, son. Yeah, that's right. Edmund might be the legitimate son. Is it Gloucester? Is it just Gloucester? Anyway, a character in in King Lear, of course, gets his eyes gouged out yep. also. But the point being, yeah, that, that Oedipus um, is, ironically for a play by someone named Bifocals, is very close... <laughs> uh, focused and obsessed on the and with the idea of sight and seeing and nope. visibility um and that all of course just leads yep. into you know it, it's one of those things that even if you're not alert enough to f- notice it consciously it cues you subconsciously for that climax to be that right. much more impactful right well and uh even earlier in oedipus you've got tiresias Yes, the that's blind he's, prophet. He is who I thought of before. Yes, when I said yep. I thought I, because you've got multiple things going on there too. The, the yep. literal blind prophet, which um, I've read that in ancient Greece, like literal blindness can be sort of a symbol of um, having sight on a different level, sure. like a spiritual plane almost, mm-hmm. which is like. The same reason that Homer was said to be blind. Like, yep. there's speculation that he wasn't necessarily. He was just the great storyteller. And because of that, he was blind to this world, quote unquote. Right. And, you know, awake to things at a different level from this world. Right. Which, you know, is part of that. Um, the, 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 the Tiresias shows up in Greek myth all the time. Yeah. Um, in you know the Odyssey and and such, where he advises the heroes and and directs them on their journeys, and he's talking to Oedipus here, um, as someone who actually sees Oedipus. Here's here's the interesting thing: he sees Oedipus for who he really is. Mm-hmm. He knows the whole truth. Yes, and that's the other the other visibility thing yep. in that play, isn't it? That that Tiresias from the beginning tells Oedipus how this is going to go. Exactly. But his prophecy, in a sense, is invisible. Right. And meanwhile, like, so getting back, connecting this to things not seen, Bobby is invisible to everyone else, but to Alicia, he's visible. Right. To the blind girl, he's visible. Right. And that's something that's um, connected to Oedipus the King. Also, I want to point out just this one aspect um, where, so Oedipus blinds himself off stage. Uh-huh, and right. it's reported, as you said, by the 17,000-page speech by the messenger. And once that's finished, um, Oedipus enters. And as soon as he enters, the chorus has a little speech. And I want to read that brief speech here. Because it, you know, that, that just that whole aspect of eyes and seeing and all that is, yeah. is excellent. So the chorus says, 
O suffering dreadful for mankind to see, most dreadful of all I ever saw. What madness came over you? What unearthly spirit, leaping farther than the mind can conceive, swooped down on your destiny? I pity you. I have many questions to ask you, much I wish to know. My eyes are drawn towards you, but I cannot bear to look. You fill me with horror. So the chorus itself is becoming blind to Oedipus, who has blinded himself, this right. horror. And the aspect of... So invisibility in literature, which I want to connect here to things not seen, invisibility is connected to monstrosity. Mm -hmm. It's connected to incest, hmm. uh, yeah. which is in Oedipus the King. And that's also connected to Invisible Man because there are images of um, not just invisibility for the, the African-American race, but also... Um, blindness and forced blindness is is something that's communicated where they're they're forced to be made blind and there's a character in here in the in Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison um, who does commit incest. Okay. Um, and uh, it's it's very it's kind of explicit in the book, um, but um, that connection of uh, so you're not too far off when you talk about the the Oedipal complex sort of idea here. But that, that, so the monstrosity, incestual nature is part of that, um, as well as uh, the idea of seeing and whether someone who is invisible is able to see mm. anyone else. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting in Things Not Seen, and I mentioned this two episodes ago, our first episode of Station Eleven, um, if I were to summarize Things Not Seen in one word, it would be perspective. Right. And that's what it's all about the characters are learning to see things from other people's perspectives. And Bobby, the main character, goes through a story arc of, um, like, from the, at the beginning of the book, you kind of get the idea. He starts out as this nondescript sort of teenager, but then as things progress, he kind of proves that before he turned invisible, at least, he was kind of a jerk. Right. Uh, but he grows throughout the book. Right. And learns to see things from other people's perspective. Even just the nature of the word see. Right. Which, you know, when he bumps into Alicia the first time when he meets her, this blind girl in the library, he right. says, see you later. Right. Without thinking about it. <laughs> and she says, yeah, see you later. Right. Like, oh, I didn't even realize that this word see that I'm taking for granted is something that other people can't take for granted. Right, right. So that's, you know, maybe broadly how I'm connecting all of these books uh, together. And I guess my conclusion for drawing all of these books together is I want to do more research into invisibility in literature. Sure. Though it's, it's interesting, we've sort of ended up uh, talking about two different things mm -hmm. because we're talking about invisibility as well as blindness yeah um which are obviously related yep. thematically and and almost uh if you're doing word association like that seems like a pair of things that would easily come mm -hmm. up um however they're not necessarily linked causally like no you know invisibility wouldn't cause blindness and blindness doesn't cause invisibility um, in any external, any any sense external mm -hmm. to the blind person, right? But do you get? I guess I want to ask two questions. Sure. Do you get the sense that? So you said you know, uh, blindness is linked to monstrosity, incest. What else did you say? Was that it? Um, those those are the main ones. I sure. Think. And I mean, yeah. monstrosity obviously has a lot of permutations that yep. you could talk about but 
Um, do you, number one, do you find that invisibility is also linked to those things? And number two, mm -hmm. I forgot what number two was. Oh, so the other question that occurred to me then is, so like you see, you see blindness linked to these sort of monstrous, um, mm -hmm. bestial things. Do you also see, is there, is there sort of a, a pull switch um, analysis you could do also where uh, blindness is is related to sort of a spiritual enlightenment or a spiritual mm, mm -hmm. awakening or not even excuse me ideas of enlightenment necessarily so much as like uh, if you're blind to the things of the literal physical world in front of you are you sort of awake to a different sure. world and I, I, I think maybe maybe I, I misspoke earlier. I mean, invisibility is connected to uh, the monstrosity okay. sort of incest idea. Not not blindness necessarily, although it could be. Except in Oedipus it is. But here's the thing. I would argue that Oedipus is himself invisible. Uh, and his, his own blindness, his metaphorical blindness, is blindness to himself. And in fact, it would be more appropriate to describe him as invisible to himself, not blind okay, to sure, himself. Sure. Um, you could even describe him as invisible to others around yes, him because exactly. he, he's a, another one of these characters who everyone in his adult world doesn't understand the, his full nature, his right. full background. Right, and where he came from. And yeah. even, you know, the, the time aspect is interesting in Oedipus too because, you know, he was a baby and so you've got these years who, that have gone by yeah. before he meets his mother again. Right. And the time has to be somehow squished and amorphosized, to <laughs> coin a word, uh, in order for him to have relations with his mother and right. to have children with her. Right. Uh, not that it's impossible, but for it to be conceptually feasible um, in just like a storytelling way, you have to let time be a little more fluid. So sure. that itself is part of the invisibility, that time is invisible. Sure, sure, sure. Surrounding this invisible character. Because it's, it's the idea of out of sight, out of mind. Right. So his parents, rather than just kill him outright after hearing the prophecy, for all of you who know Oedipus, they sent him onto a mountain. Right. They didn't actually kill him. They just removed him from their sight right. and then assumed that he was gone. Right. So they created him as an invisible character. Right, yes. When he came back, he was not the character they knew. He was someone different. He was... Because their son was still invisible. So when he killed his father, he wasn't his son yeah. in his eyes. He was invisible. The yeah. son was invisible. This was someone else. When he married his mother, to his mother, her son was invisible. Mm -hmm. It was someone else. And it was only once the veil was removed that the monstrosity was created, which is something that connects again to uh, The Invisible Man by H.G. Wells, the monster is revealed when you take off the wrappings. Right. The first hint we have that the character, besides the title of the story, right. The Invisible Man, but the first hint that we have that that character is invisible right. is when the uh, matron of the inn of the house yeah. goes into the room with the clock fixer. Right, right. She opens the door, finds him sleeping in there with part of his wrapping gone. It's the yeah, wrapping yeah. that covers his lower mouth. And the way it's described is as though he had a huge gaping mouth it was right. described monst monstrously yeah 
So it, the monster is there when you remove the covering. Sure, sure, sure. Even though the character is still invisible in The Invisible Man, once you remove that covering, he's monstrous. And I think uh, how, like, that, that, that point you make about uh, Homer being described as blind, although maybe he may have not been actually literally blind, just describing his more spiritual sight. Right. I think Oedipus is trying to accomplish that at the end of the play. Yeah, that yeah, he, yeah. He being invisible but then seeing the monster that he is right he's bl- trying to blind himself to his own monstrosity in order to create him in himself a more spiritual wisdom a so more you, spiritual sight you could also say more directly that he's trying to almost like literally obey the the bible verse that will be written several hundred <laughs> years later right um about if your if your eye offends you you Gouge know it out. it out yeah that that literally, you know, in a very real sense, all of this this horror in Oedipus has been caused by um, his eyes, right? His, yes. His lust after Jocasta yep. and so forth, um, and that this is an attempt. Like this is almost literally him saying, like, "Well, my eyes have caused this evil, so I'm going to yep. get rid of them," and mm-hmm. like we'll see where we are after that, mm-hmm. as well as the monumental like depression and self-punishment that 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 shows as well right um and so the the blindness and and invisibility in things not seen um are connected in in uh, an interesting way as well Mm. so again you have the wise character in this book is alicia the blind girl right she she has the characteristic of wisdom right she in fact is the one who has the the idea at the end of the book for Bobby to fix his invisibility. Right. She's the one who comes up with it. She's his advisor uh, and throughout. Almost doubling down, I guess, on that idea of uh uh of invisibility. Like mm-hmm. she she has that idea even though she herself is sort of ignored by yes. their fathers who, you know, just just uh pre- presumably sort of unconsciously, I don't think it's it's deliberate Mm -hmm. but they they just sort of don't even pay attention when she makes suggestions or has ideas for how to solve the thing so like they're again sort of making her invisible right and that's and and she's the one that ultimately solves the whole thing Mm -hmm. and and that's something tiresias is the same way you know he's this blind character who comes with a lot of wisdom but he's ignored right and shushed right and even further it's beyond just the fathers in this book but like her mother is so overprotective she's trying to see her daughter more but in trying to see her daughter she's actually seeing not who her daughter actually is she's seeing her daughter as someone helpless who she wants her to be right her her daughter who alicia who is independent or is trying to be independent is invisible to her right and even bobby the main character Every time Bobby describes Alicia, it's in terms of her appearance. Right. Which is not an accident. Right. He describes her as pretty. She has a pretty face. Right. And, and he loves watching her face. Right. And he likes to look at her. And it's so, so overemphasized how mm. much his vision is invested in this blind girl. Right. Which is, it's an interesting, uh... I guess intersection because it were it very much works thematically and works yep. along all of the lines 
of the themes that are going on, but is also like very much a teenage boy, yep. you know, in love with a girl. Like, Which... even, even, you know, as a, as a teenage boy and having both been one, we can both <laughs> confirm this. Like, even if you're like, I don't want to say the phrase one of the good ones, <laughs> but I can't think of a different phrase now that I've thought of that one. Um, you know, but even if you're not one of, not the sort of teenager who's like just after like making out and, and, you know, getting, getting lucky and whatnot, like even if you're interested in much more than that about someone that you're interested in, yep. like that's still just so present in your brain. Yeah. You know, the, the physical aspect, um, yep. it's just there, especially right at that age. So it's interesting, you know, uh, with a with a less skilled author than I think Andrew Clements is. Clement? Clement? Clements. Clements. With a less skilled author, I think, man, that was a real simple one. I still managed to <laughs> clearly offend him who has listened to 50 minutes of us pretending to talk about his book while actually <laughs> analyzing Oedipus the King. Um, <laughs> but anyway... Uh, you know, in the hands of a less skilled author than I think Andrew Clements is, this would be like, uh, you could almost see it as like an excuse. Sure. You know, like to, like in, um, say like pulp fantasy stories where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, there in more, more modern ones, there's like this sense that like feminism happened to the fantasy genre. And so like mm -hmm. you have to give your female characters like, agency and like reasons for for being how they are but like they still all end up being like super hot yep. right and it like this could seem like a that kind of a cheap thing um but like i don't think it is necessarily right it, it um it gets close but like yeah. it's it's all still within the realm of bobby the main character growing out of being a jerk yeah yeah Exactly. Which, like, I don't want to call it a coming-of-age story. Oh, it is, though. It is. It absolutely <laughs> is. Like, you could almost call it a buildings Roman, Roman, <laughs> if you could pronounce it. Oh, a what? A buildings <laughs> Roman. Sure. Sounds good. A buildings <laughs> Roman. <laughs> okay. Bad. You're, you're, you're popping us out of volume range here on this <laughs> podcast. Um, it's a German word, so I can't pronounce it at a, at a soft volume. Right. Um, so, at least if one was a good enough literary critic to be able to pronounce that word, one could almost call it that. Bildungsroman? Yes, thank you. <laughs> you, you must think you're very smart. <laughs> well, thank you for thinking so. Um, you're thanking me for thinking that you think that you're very smart. <laughs> yep. Okay, you're welcome. Yep. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I want to... Um, maybe conclude this episode because we're we're getting to the end of this this one here. Yeah. Um, by kind of wrapping up my perspective on this book before, in the next episode, I'm going to make you talk a little bit more. Ah. <laughs> um, by saying this is my third, maybe fourth time reading this book. I can't actually remember. Soft hockles. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, <laughs> and 
So my first time reading this was approximately in 2002. Okay, I was going to... I did want to ask you about this, because I yep. know when you introduced it several episodes ago, you said that this had been one yep. you'd read several times and very influential. Yes. Um, so, okay, actually go on. I was going to ask you how long this reading was from your latest reading before oh, this. Oh, sure. But it, you're getting there. Yeah, so I'm getting I there. Just interrupted so, you for no reason. 2002... Eighth grade. Yeah. Um, is the first time I read this. Yeah. Um, and I read it again a year-ish later. Right. My freshman year of high school. Right. Um, and it was in my freshman year of high school. I distinctly remember reading it while in my geometry class. And um, I moved from a parochial school into a public school for high school. Uh, okay. And so my geometry class in public school was a lot more simple than my <laughs> parochial school math classes and right. so i knew everything basically right. and if i didn't know it i could figure it out without having to sit in a class right. about it and so i was very bored in my geometry class a right. lot of the time and so while i was sitting in my geometry class reading this book i at one point distinctly remember closing this book setting it on my desk standing up and walking towards the door before my teacher said what are you doing and i said oh Sorry, I have to use the bathroom. And that was my excuse being uh, in response to, I thought I was invisible. <laughs> <laughs> and that true story. Um, yeah, well, true story. But like, clearly you weren't as smart as you thought you were, Geometry yep. Boy. Because if you'd been really invisible, you should have taken off all your clothes. I should have. Before you headed for I the should door. have. But, okay, so that was my second time reading it. I think I maybe read it also in college at some point. I don't actually remember if I did, though. Okay. Um, but it's always been a book that's been kind of needling the back of my mind, and I think it is exactly because of this idea of invisibility. Right. And what invisibility means. And this is going to lead into our next episode. So teaser for next episode, I'm going to start it off by talking about invisibility a little bit more. Okay. But just this idea of invisibility in literature and how it's connected to monstrosity and in Things Not Seen, it's very explicitly divorced from monstrosity. Yet in an interesting way that means that the character who is invisible is growing out of his monstrosity. That was a question I thought of to ask you a little bit ago. <laughs> okay. Was that we've established that there is this um, sort of tra tradition of associating invisibility uh with you know monstrosity or um yep. uh other other sort of monstrous monstrosity being i guess the best umbrella term yeah for several other uh things um including the incest and the even the blindness yep. um i guess you could say but so the the question i had for you and this might function to be a Another teaser or a, a the the same teaser in a different way, but um, was like, do is Andrew Clemens cheating in this book? Like, mm. is he taking a certain tradition that that you know dives into these very sort of uh, I don't know what you want to say risque topics or um, sort of difficult topics, and is he sort of sidestepping it in order to like have a have a main character who's sort of like sympathetic to the type of people who will be reading his book 
who doesn't have to like deal with whether he wants to gouge out his eyes and sleep with his mother got um like is is he cheating or is there something more is there something deeper and more conscious Mm -hmm. about this tradition going on there sure and i don't know if you can answer that in the next four minutes in the next if you could, I don't know if you'd want to, but I don't know that I can. Because okay. um, we can, so we can leave that as sort yeah, of a let's, teaser for for next time. Yeah, let's 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 leave that where it is and tease our audience with a feather, and wow, see about answering that in our next episode. So, um, with this gentle listener, if you have been intrigued by anything we've said in this rip roaring episode. Um, give us your feedback on our website, tapsterradio.org. Go to the contact section, um, fill that out, and in the subject line, put Scotch Talk, so we know what you're talking about. Um, and, uh, you can go to Twitter and at us, at Room with Scotch, or me. Was that what adding us would be? You know, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you can at me, at M-G-L-I-L-I-E-N-T-H-A-L. You can send me a tweet <laughs> at Bjartlet, B-J-A-R-T-L-E-T-T. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to respond, but I sure will see him. <laughs> he will see him, because he's not blind. Whoa! Whoa! Now, no, history won't ever have a question about it. Yeah, yeah. They won't true. ever attribute blindness to you. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know, maybe five years down the road, they'll say he went blind. Yeah. Why do you say that so both confidently and specifically? I haven't been planning anything. Do I need to look for a notebook you have that's called Secret Plans? Um... On Facebook, you can find us at the Tapster Radio Tap House. It's a uh, closed group, but if you request to join, we will let you in, unless you're invisible. That's not true. If you're invisible, please join. Well, unless you're so invisible that we can't see your request. Yeah, uh, uh, that's true. You know, make sure at least your requests are visible. Yeah. So, that's the trick, I, I guess. Um, further, we will do your homework. Uh, we'll promote this all the time until we get uh, enough requests Literally. to just, you know... Do homework. Homework forever, yes. Uh, f- homework forever. Uh, go to the website, tapsterradio.org slash scotchcast, and fill out the homework submission form. We don't promise to do it well. We don't condone plagiarism. So if you turn this into your teachers, you will get an F both on the basis of it being plagiarism and on the basis of the quality of the work that you've turned in. Yeah, it'll be real bad. Yep. Your teacher will think it's funny, but also the joke's will be bad and exactly. also the content will be bad yeah so don't just don't just don't if your teacher probably won't think it's funny yeah right but yeah yep. other than that it'll be a good time right also to I'm be fun. clear like it doesn't have to be a current thing that you're working oh no on. absolutely like if not. you have a homework assignment from your past that you think would be interesting for us to do you could make it up and we wouldn't know as long as you don't like literally say i just made this up it's not real we right. won't know right exactly so like just do what you want exactly yeah it's the internet yeah nothing is real exactly or visible or visible uh if you like this podcast check out the other shows on the tapster radio network like intermission the audio drama backstage podcast 
and here's Johnny, the Hoarder Review Podcast, and Pokemon Rollout, the Pokemon Tabletop United RPG Actual Play Podcast. Uh, please rate and review this show and our other shows all on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Google Play or wherever podcasts are sold. Yeah, and for free. For free. Sold for zero dollars. Yeah. And... Our podcast is one of the zero dollar ones. Look at that. You get all this content for free. Yeah. So um there. Rate and review us and, and appreciate us. Give us money in the form of love. I yeah. No, you did get that hundred percent correct. Okay. And... Uh check out my webcomic, Pin Porter Girl Detective, pinporterdetective.com or Google Pin Porter Girl Detective. Uh it's a mash up smash fest oh. <laughs> up of sort of film noir with fairy tales but not like happy nice fairy tales like dark uh holly black type fairy tales it's very good um mostly because of the art but also i write words on it <laughs> so uh check that out yeah and until next time, in two weeks, when we finish talking about Things Not Seen by Andrew Clements, just remember, gentle listener, it's, it's our, our party, party and we'll, we'll cry if you want, want us to. to. Sorry. No. <laughs> you want to go back? No, no, that's fine. Okay.
Obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Gentle listener. Obviated objects of oblivion. Obambulating about. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. Offered unto you. In the Tapestry Radio Network. Tapestryradio.org. From From our our fancy fancy to to yours. yours.